We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Wilson G. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in possible KC Laboratory, sponsored by Emprise Bank. Oh, it's a live edition of the KC Laboratory, presented by Emprise Bank. Nobody loves to bank. They love what banking can help them achieve. Emprise Bank is looking to say yes to those with a dream, whether it's saving for your first home, a new car, starting a family, starting a draft guide, like we did. Emprise is your partner impossible. Emprise Bank member FDIC. Boy, it feels good to be coming off a Chiefs victory against Tom Brady today, doesn't it, Maddie Lane? Find him on Twitter at Maddie underscore KCSN. Buddy, I'm not going to lie. I'm down a deep Google rabbit hole on who in the world Jeff Wilson Jr. is. <laughs> a running back for the 49ers whose name I've never once heard despite the fact that he had over 700 yards from scrimmage just a couple years ago and double-digit touchdowns. Do you I have know? literally never heard no. this man's name before. Do you want to know how I know Maddie checked out of his fantasy football league? <laughs> literally Listen, never heard this man's name. To, to be fair, he is a 49ers running back. Those guys are a dime a dozen, and yet somehow will all rush for 1,500 yards at some point in their career under Kyle Shanahan. So I'm sure he's an excellent player. But yeah, I'm kind of with Maddie here. That was not somebody that was particularly but high. But Kyle's radar. running backs are usually third round draft picks that stink, and he is not that. <laughs> they just stum- they just stumbled into that one. Uh, the Chiefs didn't stumble into Isaiah Pacheco, who uh, had a very very nice performance for the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of people had a, a lot of nice performances for the Kansas City Chiefs. We're here to talk about that. What a fun game to be a part of, <sighs> and it kind of came out of nowhere. I picked the Chiefs to lose this game, 
Howard. <laughs> I did. No, I, I just didn't have good vibes about it. My vibes were off. And it's because I, it's I doubted Patrick Mahomes. And I should never. It's not that I doubted him. It's just that I didn't. I didn't appreciate what this dude is. And what he is is a stone cold killer. He is an absolute stone cold killer. And we, you know, the the late, great, wonderful Therese Paler just labeled these games, these over my dead body games. You got one. You got one last night. He was off the rails. I mean, we talk about, like, everybody's talking about the, the, the throw to Clyde Edwards-Alaire for the touchdown. Do you remember the third down to Juju Smith-Schuster where he was mm. about to get tackled and just kind of flicked it over to him? Like, that play got, like, a, like erased from people's memories, it feels like. You have, to, you have to remember that one, too. What a nuts game from him. Let's start with that, Matthew. So we are you sure we want to start with Patrick Mahomes here, who you doubted going into this one? <laughs> I didn't doubt. That just okay. didn't not doubt. Okay. Uh, yeah, he played an excellent game, and you're right. I, for rightfully so, everyone's highlight that they remember from this play is going to be the red zone play where he rolls out, spins away from Devin White, who's still trying to talk trash while getting his ankles broken, and then hits the little floater to Clyde Edwards-Helaire in the back corner of the end zone. Like that's. That's what everyone's going to remember. And that play was great. And that's a one of a kind play that only one person is ever going to be able to pull off that plays quarterback. However, I don't know if that was just the best. That wasn't his best throw. It, wasn't even, it might not even be the top five best throws that he made in this game. Like Ken's talking about, I actually think the um, the corner route, the Travis Kelsey on the possession after mm-hmm. his touchdown, that, that throw was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the seam ball to MVS to split too high where he put it where only MVS could get it or it's going to be incomplete. I mean, that throw was a laser. under like a, pressure. like a 40-yard back shoulder in the middle of the field. Like, that's kind of how it played out. <laughs> he was hitting stuff everywhere, different arm angles. I mean, he was doing everything you could possibly want out of a quarterback. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. It was definitely a – I don't want to go over the – over my dead body game. It's just a, I remember game. Like I remember everything you guys said in the Super Bowl. I remember everything you guys have said since the Super Bowl. I think it was definitely very targeted towards the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defenders. Not all of them, but most of them, because there was a lot of, there's a lot of talking from the Super Bowl on Shaq Barrett. Do, do we think, because Patrick Mahomes kind of addressed that in his post game presser talked about how, you know, he, he didn't really feel that way until he walked into the stadium and he was like, oh, man, I want to win here. Do we do we believe that to be the case or do we Not believe for a second. him? Yeah, I was going to say, or do we believe him to be the guy that's going to count on his fingers because of where he was ranked or where he was drafted or any of the that man came in trying to prove a point And they did. They absolutely did. So did Andy Reid. So did. Eric Bieniemy, I we'll go ahead and lump him in there. We we tend to lump blame on him for some reason when they perform poorly, and then when they do well, we don't heap the praise upon it. You know, the entire game plan was great. Anybody who had a hand in it was awesome. And Patrick just comes out there and lights the world on fire. I mean, it it wasn't just the instruction plays. It wasn't just the you know rollouts, the big long bombs, everything like that. That third down play that he made to Juju Smith Schuster is an MVP level highlight on everybody's, you know, everybody's highlight reel, you know, no matter who it is, if it's Lamar, if it's Aaron Rodgers, if it's anything like that, that's the one that they're going to show over and over and over again. And it wasn't maybe the third best play that he had on the given day. I mean, it, it is crazy 
how good he is and how routinely he does things that are just above and beyond what we expect out of a normal quarterback. So to watch that blend with a well-called game and a good game plan is just, it's so fun. It is so fun to watch that offense like that. I, um, so I think when we first saw Patrick Mahomes, like let's go back to 2000, it's really 2018 when we actually started playing he had to do all these things to get himself out of trouble. Cause he was, there, there's a lot of, there's a learning curve. He was learning on the fly a little bit. He was getting got at times, but he just has this unique and incredible, amazing ability to react and adapt and figure things out and problem solve. And as you've seen him get older and mature, I don't think he's needed that as much to where it's not like you have these five moments, these 10 moments where he's having to do all this ridiculous creative stuff to solve problems sometimes that he might have created for himself as a younger quarterback. And so it's just, it was refreshing to see some of these, you know, things weren't going particularly cleanly. And it wasn't necessarily him getting got as much as pass rush got, got home and he just had to figure it out. And, you know, he's done a really good job of getting the ball out of his hands efficiently. I think a lot of different times here in the last couple of years, I think that's part of why you haven't seen him do that as much, but getting to see a couple of those vintage Mahomes, Mahomes moments were was, was it was special I will say though the, the the flip side of that I think the second I knew that this game was going to be different was the timing and footwork on the touchdown to Travis Kelsey to start the game mm-hmm. he was crisp he was on time Mahomes feet were great he was ready to throw and it just it was just on time and a perfect delivery and a perfect play call and it just felt different. It just felt different from Jump Street. You could kind of just tell, like, those are the things. Like, he's just, he's on time. He's efficient. He's seeing the field cleanly. I, it felt like one of those moments. And I was like, uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh, Tampa. That's been the big, I don't even want to know if it's changed, but I guess development in Mahomes is there's always going to be these flash plays, that these highlight plays that you're going to see these ridiculous throws, scrambles, whatever they're going to be. But it's, and I don't even want to call it like taking the check down. Like I know a lot of people want to come back and taking what's there and all that stuff, but it's having it just a control over the game, having a good read on everything that is happening in the game, what the offense needs to do, what he needs to do on that play. Is he allowed to try to scramble around and make plays? Or is this a game where he should just throw the ball away or he should, he seems to be getting better at having a good read on the game and his really good games, which he's had a couple this year. I think he's actually really good at that. He's had a good read on what needs to happen in the game. People are going to be like a little, I think, not understand it, but like the Colts game to me, I think he had a pretty good read on that game on what he was going to have to do for them to win. And so like the the stat line doesn't look great. Some of the play doesn't look great, but I think he knew they weren't going to win by just going out there and executing one, two, three, go, one, two, three, go. And in this game, that works sometimes. And you could just see it. You could see that he was always in control of this game. I think that's a big step up that he's not even taken this year, but over the past two, three seasons, it's just that, that feeling of he's controlling the game in a way that Tom Brady is often controlling a football game. It's like, it mm-hmm. felt like that from him in this game in particular. Yeah. It was weird on a day that, that Tom was so good. I mean, he really was very, very Tom good. Was on the awesome. day. He was, he was phenomenal. That Patrick just outshone him by that much. There, yeah. there was confidence. There was calmness. There was there was at no point that you really felt like this game was was going 
away from what the Chiefs were doing. It, everything was clicking. He was in control. Everything was great. We even got to see some of the stuff that maybe has gone by the wayside a little bit over the past year because, you know, defenses are focused on taking it away. But those third and longs, all of a sudden, these third and longs, the, it was back to automatic. You know, you're in third and five plus or, you know, third and seven plus, And it wasn't just, oh, man, okay, well, Let's see if somebody can get open. Let's see if somebody can beat man coverage. No, all of a sudden it was a slant, you know, that they're able to throw short of the sticks and get some extra yardage. It's Sky Moore on an RPO slant, hitting them across the middle and gaining 17 yards. It's finding Travis Kelsey. It's finding Juju Smith-Schuster. It's It was successful. And so you never felt at any point, even when they were a little bit behind the sticks, which wasn't often because they were doing such a good job of running the ball as well, even when they were a little bit behind the sticks, it still felt like Patrick was in control and the offense was in control. And you didn't ever feel like, hey, man, this is probably going to stall. I mean, hell, even the one stall that happened before the end of the game was Clyde dropping a pass that would have gone for 20. Easily would have gone for 20. So, I mean, maybe a tutty. Maybe a tutty. So it just felt so much in control in a way that maybe we haven't seen in a while, even that Bills game, you know, last year in the playoffs, like, you know, that was just kind of trading back and forth. That one just felt like a heavyweight fight. This one just kind of felt like the tempo was completely controlled by the Chiefs offense and Patrick was, you know, the jab that was leading it all. Hey, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Uh, if you are, uh, if you're watching this, leave a comment, tell us some of the moments of this game that you love the most. Uh, we might try to get to a little bit of those. Um, we got a lot of really high level high points to talk about, but I have a low point to tell you guys. There's been a wave of murders in the area. The Bucks D line. <laughs> thirst. Maddie Thirst. You may start noticing there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps. It's called liquid death. I'm sorry. Sorry, Craig. Why is this water called liquid death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst. And their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Go get liquid death at your local Woodman, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find a liquid death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash KCSN. That's liquiddeath.com slash KCSN. I have had them. They are absolutely wonderful. They are worth them, worth the price. Go get them. They uh, they are absolutely delicious. Uh, sorry, Craig. <laughs> you Just lost caught me right. I, Just caught me right. I, I yeah, I, that, <laughs> that's my <laughs> I started losing it because you lost it like mid read. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, can I can I derail us? Can please? I derail us a little bit further yes, now? Anything to it. keep me from talking. <laughs> we got you, uh, Craig. Uh, how much do you think this game meant to the Chiefs? We oh. talk a lot of times about how the Chiefs are constantly going to get uh, their opponent's best because mm -hmm. they're still seen as, you know, one of the top contenders. They were the team to beat for a long time. It seems like this game may have meant a little bit more to the Chiefs than it did the Buccaneers. Should we be reading into the Chiefs look so good because they might have cared 
slightly more in this particular game. And I'm basing this entirely off the fact that every single player got on social media and had something to say about how fun the game was, how good it felt, so on and so forth. I mean, Patrick Patrick even had the the uh, professional highlight video this evening, which was awesome. Well done, whoever whoever did that. Awesome job there. But it definitely it was massive. This was one that they wanted. Um, it, you could tell. And Andy responds to those types of things. I'm not saying that Andy's sitting here circling that one on the calendar or anything like that. But when he sees his team get into something like that, he can't help but egg it on, encourage it, all those sorts of things. So I definitely feel like they came in with something to prove. And then, you know, you got Shaq Barrett out here talking about how he's going to ruin, you know, the Chiefs offensive line. It's practically the same thing as it was in the Super Bowl. And then that offensive line is just going to turn around and body that defensive line for most of the day. So you you see some of those things, some of those indicators that maybe teams of Chiefs past, you know, would get up for a game like that for certain. Maybe you see a couple of good quarters but not as physical as that. That that is soul crushing to to be dominated like that for as long as they did. The offensive line was clicking. Every pass concept was clicking. They couldn't put anybody on Travis Kelsey and cover him despite Levante David doing it repeatedly to Travis Kelsey in the past year. So I mean, like it had to be something that you're sitting there and you're just going, "Man, we we ain't got it today." And they do. So you get up for those sites, these sorts of games, but it's the entirety of it. And yeah, coming out after the game, everybody being so excited about it, it's because they played a complete game. They really did play a fairly complete game here. It is something to monitor a little bit going forward. You want to see that energy level keep going into a Monday night football game against a team that is not even remotely close to as good as the team they just played. And you want to see see it keep going two weeks from now when they're going to be definitely up for that game but yeah this one meant something extra for certain no doubt about it like it, it and like i one of the things i just like i wanted to come here to say today is this don't let this be uh don't let this be a buffalo bills win and mm-hmm. you know the way the bills come out at times in the regular season flex their muscles. Think about when they came and they thought they exercised all these demons in Kansas city and embarrassed the chiefs in week five last year. And then they turned around and yeah, they, they had the chiefs on the ropes when the entire chief secondary fell apart. Uh, but they couldn't kill Mahomes still cause they gave him 13 seconds and he figured it out. So it's like, yeah, that was awesome. Hey, that's a great response again, you know, after a really, really bad loss. Um, and I'll get back to that bad loss in a second. Um, but, and, and that's great. And like, you heard them saying, Hey, Hey, we got like, I think Mahomes is trying to get him right. Cause he made some comment about who, you know, who's coming into town next week and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think they're going to try to, you know, I don't think they're, you know, going to try to take them anybody lightly. I think they're going to come out with, you know, a, a better focus, but it's, it's also a little bit easy to kind of naturally let up when, you know, it's not the same kind of team that you're playing, and it's a team that you've consistently bopped. I also think so. Like, yes, that Colts loss was bad. I don't think Andy brought the A game script and game sheet to Indianapolis with them. I think there was some things that they set up for it for, in Indianapolis to help against the Bucks. I think they thought they could come in there with a little bit more vanilla and beat them. And to they're fair to like, and to be fair, like they probably could have. 
if they didn't have any special teams errors. I mean, they almost escaped with a lot of errors. But, I mean, the second play of the game, they gave their their like their build off of the the snag concept they run all the time. They 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 the, the touchdown to Travis Kelsey was okay. We're gonna make it look exactly like snag. Uh, I'll be writing about this so you can check it on the KCSN Substack, by the way. And they they put Travis Kelsey on like a skip route. A, I know there's a lot. I I saw Maddie call it a jerk. I call it a skip. It's essentially a little double move. It makes it look like that same route that they run all the time out of snag. And he's crossing the face of Levante David, who thought he had it read like a book. He didn't. Uh, imagine if Devin White was trying to do that. Uh, but, <laughs> but I mean, Travis Kelsey wide open in the middle of the field. You knew, like, and there's a couple other, like, there's so many other things. They brought their A sheet. They brought their A game. They, they brought their A game sheet, and it showed. Uh, and I, I think they thought they could walk, you know, walk out of Indy with a win without putting a ton of stuff out there. Uh, and they probably could have, but like, it feels like they might've been working towards this game a little bit here as part of their, you know, season long planning. And this is something that she's seem to do every, you know, single season. I don't want to say. And sometimes they, they lose sure. when they try it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it just seems to happen. And it, you know, you don't want to say, you don't know for sure that that's the case. They're obviously never going to admit that they, maybe didn't spend as much time installing new stuff for an opponent that they were taking lightly. That's something that's never going to come out, but it certainly seems that way. There seems to be stretches or specific games where Andy Reid just kind of says, nope, we're going to run our stuff and we're going to make them stop us. And I mean, most of the time other teams can, especially when there's a talent disparity like there was against the Colts. Sometimes it happens where it coincides with a couple very unfortunate breaks throughout the game and you catch an L and then you come out and you blast the NFL's best defense at will up and down the field. Um, I, unless Craig has some more here. I, I mean, I think we got to transition. We got to transition to the big guys. We got to talk about the hog mollies here for a minute. Let's do it. When is the last time that you saw a Chiefs offensive line performance look that dominant from start to finish of a football game? Well, I mean, like <laughs> the early 2000s. I, it, right. it really was. It's been that long ago. And it was, and it's not any single specific player. There was no player that was lagging behind that you felt was just holding on. Every single guy was playing a very good game. Every single guy, every single double team, every single call just seemed to be worth like, yeah, you can pick out a couple losses in pass protection or a few times in the run game where they are beat. But overall, they were dominating. And I think we mentioned it on the post game show. And I think the easiest way you can see it, anytime a run was about to end, anytime a run stalled out, it didn't. All of a sudden, here comes all of the offensive line just pushing guys a little bit further downfield. The amount of hidden yards, the amount of extra two to four yards that were gained just because a running back entered a pile that then just started moving or just because a double team just all of a sudden started pushing a defender a little bit farther, hidden yards after hidden yards and everything they did worked and it looked it looked clean for the first time their run game actually looked clean there were obvious holes that not a single running back could miss which is something they had struggled with up until that point i mean this is this is what happens when you run gap schemes you you pick out gaps you have those guys run towards like isaiah pacheco has a gap that he is targeting in the scheme and everybody else is targeting it as well and guess what it works. The the eight-yard run that he had, I believe it was on like first and 10. It was down by the goal line. He had an eight-yard run where 
Andrew Wiley, Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey just absolutely collapsed the right side of the line, completely displaced it, shoved them all left of the center, and you had Michael Burton in an offset eye coming across, picking up the defensive end. Isaiah Pacheco got to run for about six yards without taking a hit. It was awesome. We haven't seen holes like that blown open very often at all. Most of the running backs we've been used to over the past, oh, I don't know, you know, five, six, seven, eight years are guys that have speed, one cut and go guys. I'm not trying to insult Jamal Charles at all there. He's an elite vision, but a lot of the stuff that he made happen with that offensive line was a small window opening, him hitting it and just having the acceleration and the explosion to do it. Damian Williams after him on outside zone, putting his foot in the ground and able to just be faster than everybody. This is a physical offensive line that is blowing holes open and allowing guys like Clyde, Isaiah Pacheco to run through second and third level defenders. Clyde on that Wildcat run, the touchdown that he scored, the second and third effort from him and that offensive line was outrageously good. That was stopped short, kept the legs churning. It's just so good to see the combination of the offensive line being so physical against a very good defensive line that can stop a lot of rushing attacks in the NFL, blowing things open combined with these running backs with good contact balance and the ability to run through their pads, stay on their feet, gain those extra yardage, that doomed the Buccaneers all game long. Like They couldn't stay ahead of the sticks because the Chiefs could just turn around, hand the ball off, and get five or six yards a clip. You want to talk about them holding a little bit back? Run game looked a little different this week. Uh, yep. So there's there might be a little bit there. The thing I love about Gap, is I think it weaponizes Isaiah Pacheco a lot better than than the zone blocking stuff. And I think that's that's played out here early on. And you can utilize you can utilize a big physical guy downhill that is running with terrifying, horrifying intentions. <laughs> I love watching that man run. I can't get over how fun it is to watch Isaiah Pacheco run the ball. And it looks different even than it did when he was at I, I think it looks different than he than he than it did at at uh at Rutgers at times too. Honestly, like I mean they're they're trying to get him outside wide a lot too, and like just kind of run to the edge a little bit. Very like, smart. They're yeah, their offensive line was terrible. So we haven't got to see uh, Isaiah Pacheco run downhill with bad intentions the way you probably... I thought you meant the Chiefs were trying to do that. And I was commenting <laughs> that it was very smart to put him on the little <laughs> toss plays or outside angled plays because I think that's where he's running to his most issue is running between the tackles because I... you do have to dual read them. You do have to read the linebacker, set him up, and make a cut. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying he didn't do it in this game because he did. But I really liked it when they were getting him on the outside. They did run an outside zone with him. I liked it when they were targeting the C or the B gap to bounce it outside to a C gap, getting him on the toss play, putting him in a little bit more space, and then having him cut downhill. I think was making him look a lot more confident. So like I like that adjustment. If that was a specific thing they did for him, I, or it was just a weakness they saw at the, the box. I I want to watch the all twenty two, but I actually thought he was better. Like he's better between the tackles than he's been at any point in his time here in Kansas City. Honestly, I thought. And there's a couple plays where like, it, look, you get him downhill, you give him a little bit of runway in between the tackles, and it, like again, like he confused the camera angle a couple times. I think because it looked like the play was dead at five, and he stretched it to seven, and mm -hmm. so it's just like. 
I I don't know. I thought he looked even. I thought he looked better between the tackles too. I I just thought getting him downhill was was a thing of beauty. And uh, I mean, yeah, there's some outside stuff too. But like, I, and every run he had was good. How many like? I mean, how many yeah. runs did he have that were like three or less? Probably zero. A zero? Yeah, not many. Not many. Um, it, it's one of those things. It just reminds me of when we interviewed him at the Shrine Game, which is on the KCSN YouTube page. If you're subscribed, just scroll back to that or search for Isaiah Pacheco KCSN. We interviewed him, and one of the things he said is, I am not an angry person, but when I get on the field, I am. And it's you watch that man run, and that's it. Like Every announcer. And all these national media people, you know, all these guys that we respect and know and love and all that. Isaiah Pacheco last night was the the guy. Like all of a sudden it was, oh man, this is this is good. This is outrageously good. This this kid is this far away from being something really special. So to see that and to see that intensity and see them using him in that way caught everybody's attention last night, and for good reason, but I don't want to gloss over Clyde dropped a ball. Don't get me wrong. He did. Clyde ran the ball really well, really well last night. And I think it's being overshadowed a little bit by again, understandably. So Pacheco and the intensity and the urgency with which he runs Clyde had a hell of a game too. If those two are going to be the ones like if you're just going to basically say, Hey, we're going to split carries between you two all game long. Hell yeah. Do that because it looked great last night. Hey, do miss a, just a favor real quick. Guess what? Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. We appreciate it. It helps us out tremendously as we are, you know, trying to grow this uh, this channel. It's it it matters, um, guys. It's crazy that so many of us enjoy the finer things in life, and so many of us still settle for black coffee every day. I know Craig Stout doesn't do that. Craig is one of the biggest coffee snobs I uh, know. With trade coffee. Craig and anybody else can start every morning with something special. Let me tell you about Trade Coffee. It's a coffee subscription service unlike anything you've tried before because they partner with top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffees in the country direct to your home on your preferred schedule. Uh, their coffee I get from Trade is so good. I can't believe how much I like what they picked for me. And their team actually worked with me to create my own custom collection, which is why it's for great for me. Uh, if you're like me and want your own coffee to taste, go check out uh, the KCSN collection. And if you uh, and if I got uh, if what we got isn't up your alley, don't worry. Trade will have whatever it is you want. You can shop their most popular coffees by roast or flavor profile, or you can take their coffee quiz and get expertly matched with coffees you'll love. So if you want to support small businesses and brew the best coffee uh, you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash KCSN. That's drinktrade.com slash KCSN for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the country. Uh, defense time, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Fine. What do you Wait, think, Craig? Sky Moore. Sky Moore played. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, touch on Sky Moore real quick, Maddie. Oh, no, we'll I defense. It oh, matters. Okay. No, this matters because every, mm -hmm. every Chiefs fan has been talking about it nonstop for three weeks now. And you've seen the snap counts going up, but then all of a sudden there was a big boom for this game. 
And when you kind of looked at it, it was uh, for the lot of the reasons it came in, it was still on a lot of the RPOs, still a lot of early downs on a lot of RPOs. Hey, that's where he got a slant. Hey, he was open on another slant that Levante David made a fantastic pass breakup mm-hmm. on after pulling back out of a run fit. So like they know that's where they're trying to use him the most, but he was still making it on the field for some third downs. He was still making it on the field for some true passes passing opportunities and i think he looked really good there um so i like that i like that he was able to get out there i think it might have come at the detriment of a few of mccall hardman snaps uh hardman still played more but it just seemed like a lot of their formations you would normally see hardman lining up on the backside of some of those three by one tight bunches or you would see him you know in the slot with uh one of those other bigger guys stacked up in front on top of him so just it seemed like he was maybe eating into some of hardman stuff I'm kind of excited to get him going that direction. Yeah, I think, Craig, right. are you ready to talk about the defense? I am always ready to talk about the defense here. I mean, uh, it's it's one of those, I, I think people are going to kind of sweep this game under the rug a little bit. I did put on Twitter last night, the Chiefs defense gave up three points when the game was within three scores that's it now granted it got out of hand in a hurry (laughs) don't get me wrong they allowed a field goal drive you know forced a three and out and then it was three scores except for legerious needs forced fumble so they they did a good job of stepping up when it mattered i want to kind of go through some stuff here kind of talk about some of the things that they've done so far right now they are third in the nfl in pressure rate that is good now that those aren't all turning into sacks i know sacks are important but they are right there the other teams above them the bears and the 49ers teams that are bringing in sacks like crazy right now as we're recording this the 49ers are playing on monday night football and are just getting after the quarterback coming up with all kinds of sacks those are coming. So I fully believe that that's going to be something that's going to pay dividends down the road. The Chiefs are also top half in third down percentage, are now you know basically bottom half in points based on what happened at the end of the game when they were playing soft zone coverage. But the one that really gets me, they are currently amongst the leaders in yards per play. That's not something that's been Steve Spagnuolo's forte. Typically, he gives up a lot of yards per play, and they try and limit opportunities, you know, force turnovers, you know, try and and get off the field in other means, you know, have good drives, but maybe you allow some that turn into touchdowns. Right now, they're ninth in the NFL, tied for ninth. That's at five yards per play. That's really good. And so I we're seeing them against a lot of pretty good offenses, a lot of teams that have been pretty good so far this year. The rushing defense looks good, but it's that overall yards per play thing that kind of raised my eyebrow a little bit. That's not his forte. That's not what he's done in the past. So I think that some of the wins are coming. We talked about how difficult it is, you know, at the beginning of the schedule here. A lot of offensive juggernauts, a lot of teams that should have good offenses on the table the only one that really hasn't was the Colts and the Chiefs absolutely dominated them on that side of the ball I think we should be getting a little bit more excited about the potential of this defense especially since it's so young and they're starting so many rookies oh no doubt about it like that the, I, we talked a little bit on the KCSN post game show what's so cool to see is every rookie sharing a piece of this too a little bit and they're all fitting into their roles uh we, there was a debate in the DMs with Bearcat about whether it was George Karloftis or Leo Chanel setting the edge on one of those runs. Guess what? Both of them had a big play. 
Mm-hmm. One of them was George Karloff is sneaking in there in the backside of the, of the play on a run play in the first series. The second series leaves Chanel bopping Cade Otten, pushing him three yards into the backfield. Uh, I, I was it Chris and Carlo, uh, Chris and uh, Bolton coming to clean things up. Yeah, it was it was Chris actually following the gap behind it. It did Buccaneers ran, went completely away from the run because on back to back first downs, a Chiefs defender just followed the pulling blocker completely behind him and ate up the play from behind. George on one, Chris Jones on the other. Awesome job. Yeah, so it was just it was cool to see all the young guys getting a, a piece of it. And look, we talked about how awesome Tom Brady was. Yeah, I'm I'm not that mad at Jalen Watson. <laughs> I know like it wasn't the prettiest, but like I don't think it was just like these egregious like comedy of errors where he's giving up just yards of separation. Like he's close to the catch point. It's just Tom Brady was throwing dimes on fade routes. Just money throughout the entirety of the game perfect throws yeah mike evans is gonna get you a little bit too i'm not like overly worried or discouraged about jalen watson after watching that back again it's like (laughs) tom brady still got it man like i some people were saying tom brady was washed on the post or on on, uh on twitter today i was just like nope not no no he's not the same dude but he's still got plenty in the tank and there's a lot of teams that would rather have Tom Brady right now than their quarterback. Oh my God. I, he was it, putting balls on dudes. Like, it didn't. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So I, I wasn't discouraged by Jalen Watson. I think he's going to be just fine. I'm not like overly concerned about that, especially considering, you know, it's like his fourth game. Um, I don't know. I, I it was very much. It, I think Brian Cook had some high level moments, too. He had some good moments as well. So I, I yeah, I, it was it, it's all encouraging. It's all kind of coming together here, Matthew. Yeah, so for to the Watson point, I agree for the most part that, yeah, I'm not worried. Uh, it's never a good sign when, like, a third-string tight end, you know, kind of catches a fade route on you. That, that's probably not great. I think it was but a fullback. It was a very, it was a, it, Koki, fullback, third-string tight end. Whatever, whatever he is. is. Whatever that he, thing he is. Him, and that's not good. Um, I agree. He wasn't getting burnt. He was just getting outplayed by very good ball placement and very good play at the ball. I would have liked to seen him be a little bit more competitive though, right? Like you compare what he did to Mike Evans in the red zone versus Legarius Sneed's fade rep, right? Like know who you're going against, know how you have to play it. You cannot let him stack you at all like that. You see Legarius Sneed, he played it entirely top down. He's going to force it to be a back shoulder ball that he can maybe work around the receiver to make a play on. He's a rookie things you want to learn. You just, I would have liked to see him see him be a little bit more competitive at the catch point. But he still he competed all the way through. He never gave up as long as he doesn't get Marcus Coopered, you know, in turn versus Peyton Manning. As long as that confidence just is not completely shot, I have no concerns. Um, that said, I do I have concerns about this defense. We're in here talking about things that we aren't concerned about. I have concerns. One, if you can't sack Tom Brady when you're a free rusher, who the hell in the NFL are you gonna sack? Seriously. You, if you can't get down Tom Brady if as a free rusher, Ben Ben's, Big Ben's not in the league anymore. Okay, two or three there's, times, two or three times. Yeah, there's nobody else. If you can't bring down Brady as a free rusher, that you are going to be able to sack. It's like that's a problem. They're not getting home often, or at least in this game with only four men. Now I know mm-hmm. I've seen the pass rush win rates by ESPN right now, and they look absolutely crazy good. I don't know what they're watching. Uh, the Chiefs, their only pressures at the four-man pass rush was Chris Jones eating that rookie left guard alive. Like, that's about where they all came from. Um, so, like, that's still a concern for me. But the bigger concern, because I think the Chiefs have figured out how they how they adapt that. You know, they blitz. That's what they do. It's a C-Spagnola thing. He can survive like that. 
here's Tom Brady's stats going through the middle of the field. He went eight for 12, which under 10 yards, two for two from 10 to 20 yards, one for three deep. Yes, the Chiefs are missing Willie Gay. Yes, that's mm-hmm. going to matter. But guess what? A lot of the same guys that are out there are still going to play once Willie Gay comes back. Nick Bolton is still going to play when Willie Gay comes back. Good quarterbacks are going to attack that part of the field. Good quarterbacks are going to stress Nick Bolton. They are going to stress Brian Cook when he's in there in his place or Juan Thornhill or Justin Reed. I'm not saying all these players are bad, but the Chiefs' middle-of-the-field pass defense has been very, very bad, especially with Willie Gay out. And Even with Willie Gay, it was somewhere between okay to he's missing a bunch of tackles, so not okay. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it it was. It, it, it's a little bit rough. There's a clear focus. It's why Steve Spagnuolo went to the dime defense as early as he did there because, you know, as we saw last week against the Colts, there was a lot of, you know, targeting of Darius Harris, who is an early down guy. I mean, that's what he is. That's not his fault that he's out there in high leverage passing situations. Now, all of a sudden, they switch the you know the 4-1. They have all those DBs on the field. You bring Brian Cook in there, and you let him learn. I felt like Brian Cook is, you know, he's certainly a competitor, had that awesome PBU, lots of pretty quality blitzes, but, you know, you want to see some more, but that's fine. You know, I think this is kind of what we expected out of Brian Cook. A little bit of contribution here and there, grow into the role a little bit more. I don't think anybody was watching him and being like, oh, man, that's the big impact safety. He's just a solid player. And I think that that's what you're going to see out of him. And as a third safety, that's absolutely fine. But, yeah, they've got to do a little bit of something better in the middle of the field because as it stands right now, it's pretty static. It's pretty stationary in the secondary, yeah. which, again, I, I I get against Tom Brady. Like, throw all your exotic stuff at him. No, he's seen it before, man. Like, you're, you're not going to trap him into throwing something, you know, silly or something like that. Hell, Legereus Need had to pretend to fidget with his helmet and his gloves just to finally throw Tom Brady off his scent that he was going to be blitzing. So he's seen a little bit of everything. He's going to pick up on all that stuff. They've been static. And I do think that some of that is the fact that they don't have Trent McDuffie back there. They clearly had more install. We saw more in that opening stanza there with Trent McDuffie out there. I think they're just kind of easing these rookies in a little bit, getting their feet wet, having them adjust to the speed of the game before you start going out there and saying, I said this during the game. I was like, what, why aren't they matching? more? Why is it so static? Why aren't they, why aren't they trying to match route distributions, things like that more? And I do think that maybe it's just adjusting the speed of the game, passing things off accurately, trusting that you're going to be able to give this guy to that guy and that he's going to be able to hang with him. That takes time. That takes communication. They're going to get to that point. Steve Spagnuolo is not going to sit back in static coverages all season long. It just remains to be seen if it's something that will change with McDuffie or if it's something that we're going to see, you know, just get more and more on their plate as the season goes along. Yeah, the chief fence is missing someone from every level of that defense right now, and I think it is showing a little bit, uh, especially with some of the speed there. I mean, Tom Brady was stretching laterally a lot into the flat. I think he was trying to challenge some of the corners to tackle. I think he was trying to challenge the backers to the edge because – Bolton and Harris are not athletic. They're not the most athletic guys. Like they're just not, they're not Willie. They're not Willie. And they weren't getting there. I mean, they were late uh, several times. And so it's just like, Hey, we're going to stretch you laterally. And then they started, they started throwing a little bit more behind them. Like, I mean, those guys were, those guys were getting tested a lot, but yeah, you get more athleticism in your, in that middle level. 
you're adding to your, you can add to the front a little bit with Mike Dan. I'm not saying he's gonna be a pass rush savant, but just adding bodies to he, that group. He was good. He was so far. Well. He was doing yeah. well. Uh, and then yeah, Trent McDuffie. Just adding adding all those guys back in the mix could prove to be really valuable down the stretch because maybe you can kind of eliminate some of. Those. I think Maddie you even said like if those are the areas of concern for this defense like last night, I think you said, if those are the areas of concern coming out of this game, you feel a lot better because you've got your answers to some of that kind of stuff coming back whenever, you know, the sure. team is healthy and whenever, you know, Willie Gay suspensions over. Oh yeah, absolutely. If that's where you're most concerned is your rookie cornerback that was getting picked on a little bit and you have a potential replacement. Granted it's another rookie cornerback, but still, a guy that you anticipate being better is coming back, and then a linebacker filling in for arguably your best coverage player uh, in the middle of the field, then yeah, I mean, that matters if that's the big thing um, that you're worried about. Now, the pass rush, I don't know if I see a path for the four-man pass rush to necessarily be a whole lot better. I'm not saying it can't get a little better, but I don't anticipate Frank Clark or Carlos Dunlap hitting another gear the longer the season goes on, right? Those are guys you would... I think anticipate coming on strong at the beginning. Not that they won't have big games, just I don't anticipate them making significant jumps. Maybe George Karloftis does. Maybe Mike Dana comes back and does. Maybe you know there's options, but I think that's something the Chiefs are going to be fighting all year, which means you're going back to the blitzing well, which means, as somebody put in the chat uh, a little bit ago um, from Daniel, we did some over-unders on Legereus Sneed's sacks, and I forget what it was set at, <laughs> but anyone who took the under's got to be wrong because he's already sitting at three. Uh, Legereus Sneed I mean, might as well just lead this team in sacks this year. We we need to talk about Legereus Sneed. Okay, so Legereus Sneed so far this season has blitzed around 10% of mm. the passing snaps. That's not just when he's on the field. That's overall. That is 10%. <laughs> Of the passing snaps that the Chiefs have seen, have seen a blitz from Legereus Sneed. And guess what? He's getting home over a third of the time. Like, it, it is outrageously good how good of a blitzer he is. And, Maddie, I, I want this to come out of your mouth because you asked this last oh, night. No. Pose the question here on the podcast that you posed to us last okay. night in the DM. Dude, this sounds silly, but you have to, you know, you have to get through the silliness. Is Legereus Sneed the best cornerback in the entire NFL when you remove the actual coverage aspect? Now, I get it. That sounds silly. <laughs> no, I, I want to have this conversation. Yeah. I get it. But if you remove just the ability to cover another guy one-on-one, -on -one, and we're talking about tackling, blitzing, IQ, playmaking ability, literally anything else that a corner does, and I'm not saying that any of this stuff's more important than the coverage, but when you just look at those things – I don't know if you can name a better cornerback in the entire NFL than Legereus Sneet at this point in time. I mean, the only one that I would probably contend with there is Minka Fitzpatrick. But I mean, that's kind of the rarefied error that you're talking about there. I, and and I I mostly agree. I said I'd prod him. I'd probably put him like top three and five in impact that the DB himself has impact plays we just saw trevon Diggs, you know make an all pro be a contender for you know defensive player of the year and all this stuff because he was making impact plays repeatedly his coverage was not good he was giving up crazy yards and touchdowns but they lived and died by the impact that that one player brought to the team and, and 
also Micah Parsons, who's ridiculously good. But, you know, Trevon Diggs was so important to that team because of the turnovers, because of the negative plays, because of everything. And Legereus Need is absolutely that to this defense. He makes so many plays and has made so many plays so far this season that you can argue he is the most valuable player on this defense, hands down. And there's a lot of good ones. There really are. Like, I can point to a lot of positive things that happen with this defense, and yet it always comes back to him. What he does from the blitz, what he does in run support, he's part of that excellent run defense, what he does taking away things in the flat, what he's able to drop and do from the hook, and then the turnovers, forcing fumbles. Forcing fumbles is a massive massive, massive thing for this defense because Steve Spagnuolo, as I just said, likes to give up a lot of yards and be opportunistic with turnovers. But Jarius Need is all of that. So I, I just, I, Matt said that last night. I had the same reaction that a lot of you probably in the chat are saying right now where it's just like, oh man, really? I <laughs> love the phrase. You're dropping so coverage and all of that. But you think about it a little bit. It is hard to find another DB that makes as much of an impact on the game as he has through the first four weeks of the season. Well, and now to speak on what the Chiefs think about him in coverage, they they ISO'd him one on one. I think against Mike Evans a couple times out there, just to you know, if they're playing, they're playing man. They put him out there on him. Like I think they, I mean, it's it's not like he's a slouch in coverage either. So he's a very 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 good football player. The Chiefs have found a great way to utilize him, and I mean, he's been one of the. I mean, he's been one of our favorite players. I, we have uh, we have been unabashed Legarius Sneed fans on here in on this fine show, and it's fun to see him having the kind of success he is because he has he's had an outstanding start to the season. I believe it's a contract year for him too, right? Is it this year or is it next year? It's next year. It's next year. It's next year. It's next year. Contract. It's next year. So yes, you the, the chat was rolling. You know they were getting their jabs. <laughs> but it's easier, I guess, because he's listed as a cornerback and he does play outside. It's weird. It's crazy how you have to frame it. If I can frame it as, is he the best defensive back or safety or whatever? You know, like if you can put it that way and you can compare him to 2019 Tyron Matthew playing in the slot. If that's what you can compare him to, if you can compare him to a Minka Fitzpatrick in the role that he plays, it looks different, but because he's listed as a corner, because like Kent said, they will isolate him on the outside against a wide receiver from time to time. Like he's still, that's still a part of his game, but everything outside of that is still like, he does as good as any other defensive back in the NFL right now. And it's just, it's fantastic. I don't think he's a bad coverage player either, Mm -mm. but I definitely think he is not tier one maybe not even tier two in terms of raw coverage, but it's everything else that he does that is so good. That makes him so important for this team right now. Uh, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. I'm going to ask this question live on air. I, we haven't done it the first three weeks. Are we doing like the butt slaps, handshakes, game oh, balls? Are we, we doing all that? hundred percent are because you reminded me, I put okay. a note down on everything that we have to do it because we are missing I don't remember what it was. You get a, you got a helmet I, sticker. Craig I, was given a beer and I was given a butt slap. Yeah, I thought I did game ball. No, I did sure. helmet sticker. I did a helmet sticker. You're right. I did. Yeah, that's up next. If you don't have any defensive takes, Kent. No, I never do have defensive takes. <laughs> uh, so I am totally fine with moving on. So I'm going to give a helmet sticker to my guy, Ian Kelly, who came to Kingdom Bar last night, hung out with everybody. Uh, it was great to see him. He had a big parlay, or uh, his buddy had a big parlay hit. 
during the game on a Jody Fortson touchdown. It was like 50 to one odds. Uh, so shout out Ian Kelly for coming to Kingdom Bar, hanging out with us. You get a helmet sticker. Come hang out with us at Kingdom Bar. It's a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun to get out there and, and watch the game. Uh, good food, great times, TVs everywhere. So yeah, there, there's my helmet sticker. I'm not giving it to any of the players. I'm giving it to Ian Kelly. If you're busy next Monday and you can't make the Raiders game, just go ahead and start making your plans for the Bills game. Just make your make your plans for the Bills game to come out there. There might be a couple extra friendly faces out there for that one. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Uh, uh, let's not beer. Good job. I don't know. It's beer or um whole ass bottle of vodka. It was a whole ass bottle of vodka. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's what it was. So um my whole ass bottle of vodka is obviously going to the Chiefs offensive line who took umbrage at the fact that they were called a little bit soft through the first three weeks of the season. A lot of conversation about them not holding up their end of the deal, them not doing what they need to do, them not taking that next step as, you know, as, as a second-year offensive line and just came out and dominated one of the best defensive lines in the league. So whole-ass bottle of vodka – Five whole ass bottle of vodkas to all of those guys for doing their job so damn well last night. All right, butt slap. It is, it's coming down to a, a very underappreciated player for this team. A player that does not get talked about enough. A player that has seen not a role change necessarily, but a play style change. Juan Thornhill. You know, he's playing good ball this year. He's not just sitting in the center field anymore, you know, trying to be a little rangy and just getting to make plays in the balls. No, they're tasking him with coming downhill a lot. He's playing a lot more, not in the box, but where he's the guy rolling down as Justin Reed stays deep or whatever, you know, with all the Steve Spagnuolo's different rotations. I do see him coming downhill a lot more frequently, and he's been a lot better tackling this year. He seems to trust his explosion. He seems to trust his knee coming back now. So he is flying downhill at a you know as as fast as he can. He's willing to make cuts on the move. He just seems to be playing a lot more confidently again. I don't think he's quite reached that impact that he had as a rookie yet, but he's clearly on an upswing again. And right now, I think he's just a very solid quality piece to this chief secondary that is part of why they are able to play so good. Gee, I think those hits, those hits on Mike Evans. My goodness, he he's laying the wood. Okay. Yeah, I forgot about that nonsense real quick. Hey, what listen. is the man supposed to do? Like, You're supposed what to, is he it, supposed no, see, to you do? grab a pillow and a blanket and you catch him in midair and you turn him sideways and you very gently lay him to the ground. That's how so, you hit a receiver. The ball just that can't was perfect. The ball just can't be thrown from Tom Brady. That's going to do it for the KC Laboratory. Thank you so much for listening, watching. Hit the likes, hit the subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much. We'll catch you later.